There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone line described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. There are three sides to every story. Yours, theirs, and the truth. On September 16, 2008, the longest-serving death row prisoner in the United States was executed based solely on the testimony of one man. So, if you like your coffee hot to put your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Jack Edward Alderman and his wife Barbara Jean lived in an apartment in Garden City, Georgia, where Jack worked as an assistant manager at the local Piggly Wiggly, while Barbara worked in a tax assessor's office in Savannah. There was nothing remarkable or tragic about the couple, and it seemed that they lived a fairly normal married life. That was until Jack met a man named John Arthur Brown. They once worked together, and though they claimed not to be that close, did go out to the bars occasionally and hang out about every two to three weeks. Then on September 19, 1974, Jack called John with a strange request. They met in person and Jack asked John if he wanted to help him kill his wife. He claimed that Barbara seemed like she was about to divorce him and if she was dead, that would be a much more favorable financial situation. He even offered John half of the insurance proceeds if he helped him out. At first, John thought his friend was joking. He brushed him off, borrowed his motorcycle, and got into an accident. When he fixed up the bike and brought it back to Jack, the man, despite having his motorcycle damaged, pushed through his anger and asked if he had changed his mind and wanted to help with the plan. Jack called him again on September 21st and asked if he wanted to come over. When John entered the house around 5.36 o'clock, Jack handed him a wrench and instructed him to go into the bedroom where Barbara was. The men hung out for a little while, listening to records, before Jack woke Barbara to make her clean up after the dog. When she was bent down to clean the carpet, Jack grew angry that John wasn't seizing this opportunity. He threatened him, and John finally did what his friend asked. He brought the wrench down on top of her head, and Barbara fled into the living room where she was tackled by her own husband. He placed his hands over her nose and mouth while John attempted to strangle her. She soon fell unconscious and Jack, wanting to make sure she was dead, took her to the bathroom, placed her in the tub, and filled it with water. They cleaned up the apartment and themselves before heading out to a few bars and spending the night drinking. Around 10 p.m., they returned, removed her body, and wrapped it up in a green quilt. John drove the couple's car while Jack followed on the bike, and the pair headed to Dasher's Creek, where they attempted to make it look like Barbara drove the car into the lake to either kill herself or got into an accident. Unfortunately for them, the car didn't go all the way into the water. So instead, they left the car in the lake with the driver's side door open and Barbara Jean's body hanging out, lying face up in the water. They left and grabbed some food like nothing even happened. Now, it is important to note that all of the information I just gave you came directly from John Brown. Barbara's body was found about an hour later, and the investigation into her death began. When police went to Jack's residence to inform him of his wife's accident, they found him there with another woman. He showed very little reaction to the news and almost immediately became a suspect in her death. When he went to the hospital to see her with the other woman, I might add, Jack still had a stain in the seat and crotch of his pants. The items were taken in as evidence, and a full investigation into Jack Alderman began. 
This led to John Brown and to John's very detailed statement about what happened the night of Barbara's death. Now, here's where there's an issue with this case. The only physical evidence against Jack was the bloodstains. And while it was determined to have matched Barbara's blood, there wasn't enough technology to definitively say if it was hers. This, coupled with the $20,000 insurance policy, was enough to turn the suspicion his way. The testimony by John was simply icing on the cake. But John Brown was a drug addict, alcoholic, and abusive man who was confessing to the murder, but was also implicating Jack, who was always described as kind and considerate. And this confession was in order to get leniency on his own sentence. Jack Alderman maintained his innocence throughout his entire trial, even refusing any deals made in his favor. He said that he and Barbara got into a fight, that he left the apartment that day, and, while on his way back to go see her, saw her car off the bridge at Dasher's Creek, that he ran down and put Barbara's head into his lap to try and ascertain if she was still alive. When he was sure that she was already dead, he panicked and fled the scene. This is how her blood ended up on his pants, and that, given the evidence, John Brown must have killed his wife on his own. The woman with him was a friend who needed a ride and accompanied him to identify Barbara at the hospital. Despite having no criminal history, many testimonies to his good character, and no real forensic evidence, on June 14, 1975, Jack Alderman was convicted and sentenced to death for the murder of his wife. John Brown, the man who admittedly did the killing, was sentenced to life but paroled in 1987. He took his own life in 2000 when police attempted to arrest him. He took his own life in 2000 for child molestation charges. Jack Alderman spent over 33 years on death row, making him the longest serving death row inmate in the U.S. who did not have their sentence commuted or released. And despite a brief stay of execution, Jack Alderman was executed on September 16, 2008 by lethal injection. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to what terrible thing happened on September 17th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.